Thank you, Denise. Good morning, everybody. Ah, I like the energy. This early. This is good. This is good. Um, let me get set up here. I, I do want to just say in terms of thank you for that announcement. Thank you, Denise. Uh, I want to give a shout out to just this church, Hope Justice, SJA, Seek Just Action Initiative. It's been so beautiful seeing how the Lord has been moving and this past weekend was, was really busy. We saw some great things that the Lord is doing. Uh, we were able to bring together like a lot of our partners that we work with in the same room. Um, and it was just amazing how the Lord moved. And, um, and then we were out in uh, Ravensville yesterday and gave away some backpacks. And it was just a blessing to connect and build. And um, I want to thank everybody for their prayers and, and just keep on praying uh, God is doing something great in our community. Uh, I mean, with or without us, but we're we're just we're we're grateful to be a part of it. Um, so, but good morning. Um, we are back in the sermon series, um, and we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, life as it should be, and we are unpacking and, and dwelling on Jesus's words and. Jesus is brilliant. Jesus is wise. More than that, he is life, and he's the maker of life, and um, everything that he gives us is life. It's, it's life sustainable, right? And, and so listening to this just allows us to flourish. And so let's pray, and let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for who you are. God, I pray whatever we carried in here, Lord God, um, I pray that that burden feel lightened. I pray that uh, you would rinse our wounds, oh God, with your grace. And I pray you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right. All right, we have a, a, big, a, a big word today. I mean, every, every Sunday is a big word, but this is a zinger for me personally. All right. So um, let's, we're going from Matthew 7 and 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in everything, we're going to jump to 12, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amen. When I first started prepping this sermon, my mind went all the way back to 1996. Um, if any of you guys remember us, uh, remember an artist named Tupac, and his song. There you go. And uh, he had a song called "Only God Could Judge Me." Uh, that was from the album "All Eyes on Me," and. Uh, this was a song that was an anthem for those that felt misunderstood, felt judged, 
Tupac had his own journey. And right after the song, well, before the song, I'm sorry, before the album, he was actually shot like five times and survived. And so he, he was wrestling with trusting people. And this is a lament song about the struggle, uh, his black experience in this world with white supremacy, street violence, everything. And, and, and it comes out, you hear this cry in this song, only God can judge me. And this song charted, right? It, it, it resonated with a generation of, of people. And, and a lot of people felt the same way, like, hey, who are you to judge me? Don't judge me. And I, I, that, that stood out to me. And, and so I saw America and society and people, it just, it hit, it hit a chord. Uh, don't judge me. But also something else happened in 1996. Um, you guys might remember this, uh, this TV show series. Well, they're all over the place now, but this, is, this was one of its first kind. Um, you guys know a, a show called Judge, Judge Judy? <laughs> Judge Judy started in 1996. That wasn't the for, first reality court TV series, but it, it was the one that made it go to another level. Now we got Judge Joe Brown, Judge Milani, Judge Mary, Judge... We just got a bunch of judge shows, right? And it's basically, if you don't know about it, it's watching reality TV, a judge, you see a case going on, you see complaints, um, and you see the judge basically make a sentence. But you see more than that, right? You, what, I don't know what it is with us that loves to see sharp-tongued judge kind of cast a sentence on somebody, right? But this show became very popular, right? And people embraced it. People set their VCRs to watch it. Back then we had VCRs, I'm feeling, feeling old, <laughs> right? Um, and so on one side we see like, only God can judge me, don't judge me. And then we see, I, lo I love judging, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so there's this contrast that we see, and it really reflects the inner conflict within us, right? Um, and sadly to say, this thing about judgment, the American church, American Christians, it's probably all across the world, but I just know here, studies show the church suffers from this. Uh, questions and surveys have been asked to non-believers uh, about the church and Christians. And one of the things that came out for us in that survey was that we're judgmental. And so <clears throat> this judging brings a visceral reaction from us. And so there's no surprise about today's text that many people, whether you really know the Bible or not, you probably heard these three words, do not judge. And so the question is, what is Jesus telling us? What is he saying to us? Because there's a few ways we can run with this. But to understand the text, we got to understand what judging means. Because in one sense, we hear Jesus saying, do not judge. But in another sense, we do see Jesus saying, judge. John 7, 24, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. 
or judge righteously or judge correctly. And so is Jesus contradicting himself? Or is Jesus contradicting a lot of the Bible where we see God appointing judges in a whole book called Judges in the Old Testament? Or kings judging or prophets judging? There, there seems to be more about the sentiment of judging in the Bible. Is he contradicting all of that? What, is, he, is he changing the rules? What, what's happening here? <clears throat> well, the people at that time that's listening in the Sermon on the Mount, remember everybody's in their natural seat on the ground or on the mountain? Um, they knew what Jesus was talking about. They knew Jesus wasn't contradicting himself because they understood the history and the language of what's going on. And I want to take like 60 seconds just to talk about the history and the language that they were aware of that we kind of have to catch up on because this do not judge can be misinterpreted and misapplied, and it has been in, in hurtful ways. <clears throat> so the history or the backstory, right? The first place we see judging or, or judge is connected to Yahweh, rightfully so, connected to our God. And it's along the lines that story with Abraham and Lot, and it says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right while Abraham is interceding on the behalf of Lot? The second place we see it is with Moses and his father-in-law Jephro when they had just came out of Egypt. And Moses was doing settling disputes among the people, judging. And his father-in-law said, hey, you should delegate this task for you burn out. And so he, so he delegated other wise, experienced uh, men's of households to help judge and settle disputes by God's word. And so this thoroughly was kind of instituted as a practice, these judges. And we see the whole story kind of in judges. Samson was a judge. Uh, Deborah was a judge. So there were some women judges. Um, so thoroughly, we see that, I mean, fourth, that judging kind of went out of style, <laughs> when kings came in place, right, when God instituted a king. And then now in the New Testament where we're at, in their day and time, they have what's called the Sanhedrin, right? And that's where elders come and collect. And we see a lot about the Sanhedrin uh, when Jesus was on trial and things like that. And so judges come good, come bad, come very complex, such as life. And so, but, and so these are sort of like tribal leaders, that were sanctioned to make decisions. <clears throat> now, the language. What's up with the language? All right. And so <clears throat> the Greek word <clears throat> is krino. And it really has three meanings. So one, decide or evaluate, right? You came in here, you made a judgment where you wanted to sit, you made a judgment you know, how close you wanted to be up here or farther back there, right? You, make it, you made a thousand judgments this morning, what you wanted to wear and so forth. You may judge what I'm wearing, you know, this, all right? Um, secondly, to judge means like an, an, an authoritative opinion. We, we assign people, judges, with experience and education to make judgments. And also, those in your workplace that have authority and experience to make authoritative opinions and decisions. But the third one is condemn, to make a conclusion, to cast the verdict. 
And this is in the negative sense. And so, now that we understand some of the backstory and, and language of what we're working with, we, we can get more of a frame to interpret. And I like to always let Scripture interpret Scripture. And so, I want to take us to Luke 6. Now, Matthew and Luke are inspired by Mark, right? And they, they have twin scriptures, and you get a chance to see more context. And so we're going to go to Luke's twin scripture of this particular passage. It says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And so quickly, the takeaway point here shows us that judgment here is linked to condemnation. That third form. Let's keep going. Let's go to James 4. James, the brother of Jesus. And scholars would say that James is a book, a reflection that has commentary actually on the Sermon on the Mount. And so he breaks it down. It's sort of like a, uh, a blog reaction to the Sermon on the Mount in one way, right? Let's see what he says. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Do not, brothers and sisters. Um, can't even read. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So quick takeaway points here. I'm not going to sit here, but you can go back and study. What do we see here? We see judgment is linked to slander, speaking against your brother or sister, right? We see a critical nature. That third form is coming up again, condemning. And so what do we see? Jesus is not just speaking against judging overall, but he's speaking against a kind, a type of judging. And that is the third He's not telling us not to judge at all, which is the decide and the reasoning and evaluating part, thinking critically. He's not telling us to throw away our wisdom from authoritative opinions and decisions because there is a part of judgment that's connected to justice and righteousness, safety and order, Um, God's order, right? Not, Not man's order, but connected to shalom. And so... Jesus is telling us, in a sense, not to condemn, not to cast a verdict on someone. And to do that, guess what you have to do? You have to attempt to get on the judgment seat. You have to attempt to rise above and make a judgment on somebody. And so there's this interesting thing that we do with judging that sort of separates us from our neighbor or from our person. Let's keep going. What he said, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So he gives the command not to judge. But he knows us hard-headed humans. 
So, so, so now he says, but if you do, this is what's going to happen. The same way you judge others, you will be judged. The law of reciprocity, what, the energy you put out, you're going to get back. So when you judge and you condemn in a critical, negative way, you're begging for that to come back, right? It's just a natural thing. If, if you have a critical boss or a critical friend and they give you a harsh critique, I'm sure you're not just want to take it easy on them, right? You, you, you're watching their every step, like, are, are you going to do exactly what you bang the hammer on me for, right? Some of us are, are laughing because we know, right? We, we're around those people. Sometimes we are those people, right? And so this is happening, and, and he's just saying, this is what's going to happen. But, you know, judgment is a weird thing because it's the action that usually nobody wants. We, we, nobody wants to be judged of a critical nature. Nobody wants a conclusion to be made on them. But it's an action that most of us kind of like doing, kind of feel comfortable doing. And sometimes we're so comfortable doing it that it's like second nature and we don't, we don't even realize it. What does that say about us? What does that say about our human nature, our inconsistency? It's, it's not really logical to me to do something that I wouldn't want to do. It kind of shows the flawedness, the flawed, the, the, the flaws in us, right? And this is, this is why Jesus, this is why God has to tell us when, when we sin and we were a fallen nature, he said, he said love others as you would want to be loved, you think that would be rational, but somehow we get amnesia and we get disconnected and we forget how to be in other people's shoes. But Jesus isn't done. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is this plank in your own eye. Jesus is painting a metaphor here. And it's, it's beautiful because it's, it's, it's a picture, a metaphor that comes from a carpenter, right? He comes from carpenters and we see sawdust plank being a beam of wood. And we see sawdust is like this small. <laughs> it's like this small. And so, but a plank is a beam. If anybody's ever carried a beam, it's, it's not, you got to watch where you walk. You might hit somebody. You got to watch how you navigate through the door, right? These are two completely sizes. And Jesus is showing us a picture of what may seem to be a small issue and what is a big issue, and somebody is judging, somebody has the bigger issue judging somebody with the smaller issue. There's somebody judging, and I don't know how he sees the speck of dust <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the beam in his eye, but somehow he catches it. Sometimes that speck of dust can be uh, very annoying and frustrating. It can be distracting, right? But you got a whole beam in your eye, bro. Like, how, how is it that you have the energy 
to see what's wrong with somebody else? And why would you do that? What's under that type of energy to judge somebody? I mean, there's a couple of questions I throw in my head. Does, does he know that there's a plank, there's a beam, that this issue is that big? And that issue is small. <laughs> how, how do you measure somebody else's sin? And who are you to measure that, right? Who are we to measure what's big and small? And, and we see this, Jesus has to constantly remind us, we as people, our judgment is impaired. Right off the back, we see that. Two people, they're visually impaired to make accurate judgments. They are humans, they have limited sight. But Jesus gives us another story. I wanna take us there real quick. In Luke, it says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Ah, we see a little bit of the undercurrent, those that exalt themselves. We see one man that would be considered the righteous, the leader in his time. And the one that people would go to for advice, the one that people would go to for spiritual advice to try to connect to God, his prayer was off. And the one that was considered unrighteous and holy, yo, they throw shade on tax collectors. <laughs> and there's, there's valid reasons, but the shade is real because they say sinners and tax collectors. Like they take tax collectors out of the category of sinner. It's just another thing, right? Because they sometimes they would rob the people. They were collecting taxes for Rome and they would add their own interest and charge to it. And so people felt like they were traitors. And so that's why you see the extra shade. But here we see a, a tax collector that is completely humble before God. And Jesus says... One is justified and the other is not. And so how do you measure this plank and sawdust? What are the specks and, specks and planks in your lives? How are you measuring and judging other people, whether they are good enough to be trusted or, or not? We are really limited in our capacity and, 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 and when we do that, there's something that we're trying to rise above. We're trying to distract ourselves from our own sin because I, for the most part, I believe we're aware that we're not perfect. <laughs> we're aware that we have our own struggles. 
But judging others sometimes allows us to feel better about ourselves. And God is not cool with that. Condemning others for our salvation. Things that we don't want to address and confront because it's just easier to see somebody else's dirty room instead of the stuff that's underneath our bed. And Jesus is saying, both are visually impaired. Both need help. Where are we? Are we rising and attempting to take God's seat for somebody else? Or do we see ourselves as a part of? And the truth is, we probably don't stay in one place. I fluctuate. Let's keep going. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so Jesus is inviting us to a level of humility, a level of awareness, to see ourselves, to see that our judgment is impaired, that we are limited. And don't ignore that. Don't don't ignore the frailty. There's a strength in that. But here's another misapplication of the scripture. Do not judge. And I've seen it before. Like when you see someone in sin, that, that sin may be destructive to themselves or to another, and you don't say anything. It's like, for example, a, a friend may know that a friend is in adultery, and the pastor asks them, have you spoke to that person? Have you addressed? Have you talked to them about? And they said, well, I, you know, I don't want to judge. It's not, it's not, it's not me to judge. That, that is a misapplication of Scripture. Because speaking truth and love and helping somebody see Hey, this is not loving to your wife or whatever the issue may be is a part of love and it's good judgment. It's right judgment. But God doesn't ask us to condemn or make a verdict on somebody. <laughs> because they do this means that they're going to hell. That, that's not our place. We have no place to put where people's destinies are. You see, because it's, it's not... It doesn't say here, okay, just understand that there's, there's vision impairment. We all got something in our eye. We're all sinners. No, it, it come back. It says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly. So it does say, acknowledge that there's something there, and then you do have the power to 
remove that to see clearly so that you can help your brother. And this is the humility that we all need because we all judge in different degrees. We all condemn in different degrees and cast verdicts. And judging is it's very damaging. It's very lethal. And we can all attest to this on different levels. Some of us are still bleeding from judgments years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago. The wounds can be fresh. You still remember what was said based on your experience. I never forget one of my dear students. He won student of the year for us in youth build. But his backstory was that he was actually in headlines when he was born because he was found in a trash can. And then he was adopted to a family, a loving family. And um, later on, I, I was blessed to meet him and journey with him and still friends to this day. But one of his stories that he told us in our program, he said, a teacher told me, um, um, that I'll see you back here next year again, right? In terms of just not giving him any hope. <laughs> it made him drop out of school because of the judgment that this teacher had made on him. He walked around with that wound. How, what's the wound that you may walk around with? And, and, and these judgments... Sometimes they create a self-righteousness in us, a guard to protect ourselves. And, and, and they, they paint our world and how we see people. And, you know, it, some of us have come to a place, it's, it's easy, you know, we're, we're not judging people, we're showing compassion on people, but some of us have come to a place where It's easy not to judge those that are not a threat, but it's hard to judge, hard not to judge those that are a threat, those that appear as a threat to you, those that would judge you, those that would condemn you. We are tempted to bring the same type of energy back to those same people. But we, Christ is asking us, to not get caught in that rat race or that circle. But to take the plank out of our own eyes so we can see clearly the situation. So we can see our flaws. So we can see him. Because no matter what we've been through, we never have the right to, to condemn somebody else. That judgment belongs to God. You see, there's a person that was condemned. <laughs> he was innocent and he was condemned 
for speaking life. He was condemned with nails in his hands. He was condemned with the cross. He was condemned to be whipped and be beaten. He was condemned and falsely accused, put into a, a, a false trial and put to death. And that was Jesus. And in all of that, out of all of that condemnation, he still didn't condemn those who condemned him. He still had the love in his heart to say, Father, forgive those that know not what they are doing. If Jesus can be put on the cross and still say, I love you, I forgive you, and he was sinless. He had a reason. He had a reason and the power to stop everything. But he chose to be condemned for us. And if Jesus didn't condemn, I think that us, me and you, together, cannot condemn and cast a verdict or make a conclusion on somebody else. Now, we get that part. Some of us, we got to the point where we, okay, we, you're rocking with me. We don't want to judge others. But there's a person that you do judge. And you see them every day. You're, you know them the most. And that's yourself. You're critical of yourself. You make conclusions of yourself. You get paralyzed of yourself. But 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, I care, this is Paul talking, he says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. God is so loving, he doesn't even give us permission to judge ourselves. I know we're acquainted with our wrongs, our sins, but we don't have the right to make the conclusion on ourselves. And some of us, it's hard for us to complete things. It's hard for us to go outside, to live life, to live in freedom and in confidence because we, are, we haven't forgiven ourselves and we are trying to penalize ourselves and judging ourselves. But the, the beautiful part about the gospel, Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God in all he sees in his wisdom and power, and there's nothing that he does not see, internally and externally, has not condemned And we, as his children, he says, I am not condemning you. Do not condemn yourself. Do not critically judge yourself. This might be hard because some of us, we grew up in a critical environment and we've just internalized that criticism to another level. And it's hard to even distinguish our own thoughts from that harsh criticism. It's like you walk around with a small judge 
and that judge paralyzes you. But the gospel sets us free. And God says, I love you. I care for you. You're free. I have forgiven you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Will you be with me? Can we lean on that grace today? You know, life, God was working through me so much, and I learned how much I judged through this sermon, and it was just a burden lifted to let these things go because whether you're doing it externally or internally, it's still judgment. And judging separates, but compassion brings us together. Humility connects us. And how much more would it look like for the world to know us more for our loving, more for our grace and humility than our judgment? As the worship team comes forward, let us reflect on the grace of God today. As New Yorkers, we're faced with temptations every day to make verdicts on people. <laughs> but God reminds us to be a life giver, a light. Let God be the judge for your brothers and your sisters and for you. And the great thing I love, I can trust a God who gave his only begotten son for me. <laughs> It's not something that I would have did for God, but God did it for me. And I'm just so grateful. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray. And I want you to I want you to identify those wounds that you may walk around with. From those judgments in the past. I want you to identify people that you are vulnerable to judge. Whether they're on a different political ideology or family or friends. or And I want you to identify the things that you judge yourself for. So one, wounds. Two, the people that you're easy to judge. And three, the things that you judge yourself what we're going to do is we're going to give those things to God. We're going to put that in his, in his arms. And just live by his grace and compassion and righteous judgment. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we just pray, Lord God, we, that we can receive your grace. That we can be a people of compassion people of faith. The Bible says you told us to just live by faith. Lord, help us to see a great outcome, even if it doesn't feel like it shall be. Help us to see a great outcome for a person that may be a threat or somebody that may be opposing us. God, help us to, to live with a loving mindset. You said hope beareth all things. 
Hope expects good. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love today. Heal us, O God, and help us not to try to take your judgment seat, but help us to take the speck out of our own eyes so we can see clearly to do unto others as you, as we would want. We thank you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.